What's going on? Hope you're all doing well. The Cultural Podcast back at it again. Sam Adamo coming at you. Hope you're all having a great week. It's good to be back. A couple of things to get into before we get started and get chatting about some stuff going on. This will probably be the last solo episode for a little while. As of next week, we have uh, some changes coming. We'll finally have a full-time producer coming in uh, to take part in every episode that we that we schedule. That's the tentative plan. In the process, we'll be getting on YouTube. So as of next week, full episodes of the podcast will be available in full video on YouTube. You can subscribe at Sam Adamo on YouTube. It's the Cultural Podcast. So just search the Cultural Podcast on YouTube. Or look up at Sam Adamo. It'll come up. Give us a subscription. We'll be posting full episodes as of next week. Very excited about that. In the meantime, hope this episode finds you well. European football's back. And the Champions League will be kind of ramping up a little bit more from the Italian perspective next week. But Milan played the other day. And it was a great game. They uh, they beat Tottenham, coached by Antonio Conte, one 0 which is a good little good little showing for them. And um, who knows, man? I mean, Inter don't look super sturdy at the moment. I don't know how good a time they'll have against Porto. No one really does. Let's not pretend that we know what the fuck's gonna happen. We're not gonna do the prediction thing because that's that's fucking that's. Kinda, I see. I wanted to say that's gay, but I I feel like that's a very, that's just very easy. I don't know what other word I might say. I have a very limited vocabulary. I want to say that's gay. Let's just say that's gay. We're not doing predictions because predictions are gay. Sure, let's go with that. Fine. Let's start off on um on a diplomatic note. But I don't know. I mean, you would think that Inter could have a chance at beating Porto, but Portuguese sides are kind of sneakily strong. They often give you a challenge at this stage of the competition. We've seen it before. I don't know, but you think that you'd think that maybe Milan and Napoli could put on a good showing, maybe akin to some of the showings that Juve have had in the past, some of the accounts that they've given in the Champions League. Obviously they're they're way out of the competition now. The only Italian team to have not made it to the knockout round. But but fear not because uh, today or tomorrow, by the time this is out or the, by the time you might be listening to this, they'll be playing not in the Europa League. Every every Juventino's dream. Fear not. So, so Vlaovic is gone, guys. I mean, Vlaovic is gone. Most of the team's going to be gone next year. Let's be honest. It's okay. You know, it's it's kind of cool because young young Juve fans need to suffer a little bit and they need to get their own contemporary cult heroes cemented. So you might think that Chiesa could be one of those guys if he sticks around when they go down to Serie B. Who knows? They might just say, fuck it, we're out of the Italian system. We're not going to go down to Serie B because the European Super League is uh, is back. Guys, the Super League is happening. It's finally happening. This is this is excellent. I mean, for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons. We've kind of talked about it the past couple of weeks as being something that was probably going to be inevitable, but confirmation came out a few days ago that the European Super League was officially approved and there's now a format for it. Apparently, it could replace the Champions League altogether. Um, it seems to be... It seems to be getting presented in a way where it's like not kind of almost being presented or packaged in such a way that it might step on individual leagues' toes. I think the point here is to cuck the Champions League specifically 
and UEFA because this would operate outside of the the jurisdiction of UEFA, I guess. It would be an independent competition. It's been ruled that any clubs should technically be allowed to do that because contrary to what a lot of people think, UEFA is not um, an organized crime organization. I mean, they kind of are, but they can't operate like one. They can operate under the veil of, of, of being a cartel or, or, or some kind of some kind of monopolistic cartel. But, um, I mean, that that's subject to change because apparently they can't hold a gun to a club's head and say, you have to play in our competition. That was ruled a couple of weeks ago, and now a format is has been laid out. Apparently, it could include up to 80 teams, which is, by the way, so this is very exciting because what they've done here is they've kind of they've kind of toned it back a little bit. The reason that everyone was very upset two years ago when the Super League got announced was because there were a bunch of clubs that were going to be grandfathered into the system as it was described at the time. That was seen as problematic and that was seen as uh, unfair. It was seen as kind of kind of stupid because there were a lot of clubs that, um, you know, were not seen as being worthy of it. I mean, it's it, it, at that point it becomes subjective, and you could you could buy your way into it. You know, some of the some of the wealthier clubs in Europe weren't actually in. I think, if memory serves me correctly, that that initial that initial group. I don't believe PSG were included, for example. Not that I'm you know not that I or, or many people were upset about it, but if you want to have the highest level of competition, then you need to kind of have an infrastructure that allows for the best clubs in Europe at any given time to take part in it. So it seems that the infrastructure that they're going to be pursuing now is going to maybe allow for that. Um, so 60 to 80 teams is what's being proposed. Apparently there won't be any permanent members. They're guaranteeing a minimum of 14 matches per club per season, multi-divisional. So how they assign clubs to different divisions, I don't know. It could be performance based on Serie A um, and on La Liga and on you know the Belgian Pro League and and the Eredivisie, whatever, any league in Europe, right? Except Russia, because we don't, we pretend they don't exist now. For some reason, private companies owned by private individuals in Russia are um, are persona non grata. All of them, none of them. We don't want any of them to take part anymore because because of because um because of you know because of genocide, man. Well, to be fair, I mean, if you own a soccer club in Russia, if you own a football club in Russia. You've tickled Putin's balls a little bit. That's fair. I don't think that's the jump that's being made, but it's a, it's a fair one. It's a fair one. Do you get do you get subsidized by Vlad Putin? Are you friendly with him? That might be an interesting way of going about pursuing that whole thing. But anyway, it's kind of fun to just just say, uh, you know, fuck the Russians. We don't need them. It's kind of Cold War esque. It's reminiscent of shit that we might have done in the 70s. We're just erecting a big-ass wall and saying, they're over there doing their thing. We don't need them. Fuck them. We're going to cut them out. We're going to cut them out. They can do whatever the hell they want over there. Develop athletes' talent. Hone them. Just keep them, keep them in the dark. They'll never play us. If they do, it's a big deal. Then we'll make it political. That'll be yeah. So that'll be that'll be cool. That'll happen at some point. There'll be Russia will get back involved in, in sports at some point. It's gonna be very um, it's gonna be very political. Just will be. Um, but yeah. So presumably, performance in like European clubs will excuse me among European clubs and European leagues will determine placement in the Super League. And I guess you could opt out of the Champions League if you take part. Maybe. Maybe UEFA will say if you want to participate in the Super League, then you're banned from the Champions League. To which any club eligible to play in the Super League will say, suck a fat one, peace out, fuck you, enjoy your conference league, you know? You're going to have fucking Nantes playing Juventus in the Champions League is what you're going to have. Which is currently, right now it's the Europa League game that's going to be played in well, any time, in any day now, any any minute now, I... If you're listening to this on Thursday, the day after this this is coming out, then this game could have already happened. But that's going to be this is funnily enough, this is actually going to be the Champions League final in one year because Juve is going to 
Juve's going to, they're not going to qualify for the Super League somehow. They're, they're lobbying for this Super League and somehow they're not going to wind up qualifying for it. If there's any integrity or meritocracy to the qualification process. If Juve's smart, what they'll do is they'll negotiate their way in and then they won't be a permanent member, meaning they can get relegated. That's what they should do. That is what they should do. I think that's probably actually a more likely outcome. But I encourage any uh, any Italian club to uh, jump on board. Come where the money is. Come. I mean, we're just going to be doing it better. We, you know, they, this organization is just going to be doing what's already done, but better. It's going to make more money, presumably. It's going to be distributed to the clubs because the clubs are going to be the ones managing it. There's going to be no, um, you know, Chuck Blazer. There's going to be no. Uh, there's going to be no FIFA executives getting getting wealthy off it. To be fair, I don't think that's how it worked. I think it, it's, but you know, it's definitely some Swiss cunts that are getting rich off it. Some Eastern European scumbags. Some some weird Romanian guy with a name that kind of sounds Italian but isn't. He's getting rich off of the Champions League for sure. Evading tax and the fine legislation that is Romania, the fine administrative legislation of Romania, who don't imprison anyone, ju- they do, don't imprison anyone unjustly without with, without without a just cause under false pretenses. Doesn't happen ever. Romania, a place with very little levels of corruptibility in government and policing. So that'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But, you know, I think Juve really tell the Fiji Chi to go fuck themselves here, guys. The last two years have really revealed a lot about Italian football and how fucked we might be. But ultimately, the Super League could be interesting because you'll have a couple of Italian clubs at any given time that are going to be getting you know, a chunk of the big piece of the pie, right? Or significant chunks of the pie, I guess. The financial pie that'll now exist, right? The Super League. At any given time, you should have Italian clubs that are reaping the financial benefits of that. And that's probably going to be the only salvation that we might uh, experience in Italian football because those clubs will be able to buy good talent and they'll be able to I mean, I hopefully, you know, bring through more talented Italian players that do well at other clubs in Italy and Serie A. But that doesn't really change the culture. That doesn't really change the culture of Italian football. We talk about this every couple of weeks, it feels like, but young kids just don't start. They just don't start. I don't know why. Nobody knows why. Nobody gets it. But... It's really fucking hard to get a good Primavera product to start for the first team. I, you know, is it a trust thing? Maybe. you got to give Roberto Mancini credit where it's due. You do. Because he's tried to include young, talented kids and some of the most talented youth team players from the U19 setup, the U20, U21 setup into the side. He's had them training. He's been inviting them to... To, to training camps and, and calling them up for squads. He's tried, and sometimes it hasn't worked out, but he's he's tried. He's always tried. God bless him. He's always fucking tried. Pietro Pellegri was getting called up at one point, guys, like a year ago. Is that guy still alive? There are a lot of guys, a lot of young Italian players who I just never know if they're alive at any given point in time. I think Pietro Pellegri is playing for Torino. I couldn't tell you that to save my left nut. I'm going to confirm that right now. I don't know where he is. He is at Torino right now. He's got one goal. One goal in Serie A this year. Two in the Coppa Italia. Might have been against like Cosenza or something. Um, you know, he might have played against my cousins in Cosenza who are going to go back down to Serie C where they belong uh, probably this year. But they're gonna put up a fight. They might, you know, they might send Venezia down and bring him into the mud with them. That'd be that'd be awesome. But in any event, like I don't know, he, he the guy's not scoring. He's not very, 
He's not very prolific. He is 21 years old, which, you know, is 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 I mean, that's that's fucking He's almost at retirement age, Christ. You know, he he can almost he can almost claim his pension right now at 21 in 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 the in the regular sphere of football. I mean, I'm 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 kidding. He but you know, he could he could he could maybe I don't know start thinking about retirement financial strategies you know when you consider where other 21 year olds are at like Jaden Sancho for example who's a lot more established and and again and I'm not saying that there's necessarily a big gap in talent there I'm just I'm just throwing names at you of of players in another country like England who have been doing quite well for a while and who have been given opportunities for a while and who have kind of just become like you know staples household names in some in some ways it might actually not be good it might be a hindrance to a guy like Jaden Sancho who some people might argue is overrated overpaid but but 21 22 he's like he's not a young player anymore he's just a player he'll be around for a while and and you know by the time they hit 30 all right well you know they either hit like that second period of longevity that second wind and, and have longevity or it kind of just ends. But in Italy, the way it seems to work is 21, you're still young, right? Now again, Pellegrini is a weird case because he played when he was 15. I don't want to pick on him, but but he's a good case study here. Um, he started playing when he was 15, turning 16 for Genoa, right? From Genoa, he was sold to Monaco and was loaned to Milan. The guy doesn't score. It doesn't help when he doesn't score goals. I I, I get it, but... He's 21, fuck, in Italy, I mean, that's, Jesus, he's, he's, you know, if, if in England he's like, he's like getting ready to, you know, maybe cash out his, 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 his 55, his Freedom 55 financial life insurance policy, you know, he's thinking about it, hey, a couple more years, you know, and just a couple more years and I'll be 55, maybe I could take an early retirement, you know, well, well, that's, that's English Pietro Pellegri, right? That's that's what he's doing. Italian Pietro Pellegri, conversely, is, um, you know, he's he's learning to walk. He's entering middle school, maybe. You know, you know, so he'll be considered young till he's twenty four. He might start scoring goals when he's twenty seven. You never know. Now, again, this will not happen. This will not happen. Dispel of the the romantic ideas you have of certain players because of something you saw when they were younger. It's probably not happening. Assume it's not. If it does, great. Assume it's not. It's either happening or it's not. You know if it's happening. You know if it's happening for them, really, to the point that they could be like competitive you know, in, at a world-class level. It ain't happening with this guy. It probably isn't happening. That's all. Um. You know, he, he might become like a Fabio Quagliarella or something when he was like when he's like 33. That's a random name I'm throwing at you guys. But my point is, you, you might hear that and say, wow, that's fantastic. But not really. You never wanted Fabio Quagliarella to start for the Italian national team. You know? Not when Norway's got Haaland and not when France has Mbappe and, and, and so on. You wanted Mario Balotelli to start for the Italian national team, right? At the time when he was playing at very high level. He was, you know, one of the better strikers in Europe, playing for some of the best teams out there. That that won't be Pellegrini, and, that, and that's okay. But the point is here, Mancini tried calling him up. He tried. He always has. Sometimes it's panned out. Okay. Um, Zaniolo was one such player. He called up Nico Zaniolo before he had played a first team match for Roma or Inter. I don't even think he played a game in Serie A when he got called up for the first time. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say four or five years ago. I think it was five. He might have been 18. So, I mean, you got to give him credit where it's due because that's not something that at a club level you'll see a lot of. It's not. Argentina's trying to do that right now. I don't know if you guys know this, but there are a ton of young Argentinian prospects in academies throughout Europe, and they always get called up to the Italian national team. A couple of them got taken to the World Cup. A couple of them. They have winners' medals. They didn't play crucial parts, but they were they were there. Others are waiting in the wings. A couple of them play for Inter. Carbo Valentin Carboni, Franco Carboni, I think are their names. I think they're they're like 16, 17, 18. Um Yeah. You know, that that's kind of it's an interesting thing that that 
you tend not to see a whole lot of in Italian football. But, but the reason that I think Mancini's even kind of forced to, to play the hand that way in such a way that it looks nuts is because he's calling them up as Primavera players or guys who are barely getting any minutes. But he's calling them up as promising talent, which he's obviously identified. Because he's not a, he's not a club coach, so he's probably always sitting down watching footage. He, his job involves a lot less go, 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 daily shit. It's a lot more sitting down and studying and thinking, reflecting, um, you know, examining who might be coming through, who's worth taking a closer look at. That's how they get those random camps every couple of months of like names that maybe some less, you know, less serious, less hard-o Serie A fans might have heard of before. You're like, who the fuck are all these kids? Well, they're guys he's been looking at. That's part of his job. And so it looks crazy when he calls up these these guys who are like playing with the U19 team. Of uh, Inter, whatever. These guys from the Inter fucking U19 team. Who the fuck are they? Or this guy from Udinese who's played like no minutes. He's 16. What's his name? Fuck. Is it Pio Pio something? It's not. Simone something. I fucking, I've already forgotten his name. He doesn't play. You know, but Mancini's made to look crazy because he's calling them up, doing what he's doing what he's got to do, right? Right? He, he's he's trying to trying to maybe phase guys in, but they just don't play for their fucking national teams, for their club teams. Excuse me, they don't play for their club teams, and that's that's it's brutal. It's awful. Now, I'd like to point to the uh, the case study of Wilfred Nyonto. Willy Nyonto. Willy Nyonto is from Milan. He came through the Inter Academy. I don't know what to say, guys. You know, I'm not saying Fabio Miretti's going to come out and, and, and be a world beater one day, but I don't know why he's been playing a lot more at Juve this year. Has he really impressed? Has he kind of, you know, have the club's hand been forced a little bit? Maybe a bit of both. But, but it's highly unlike Juve. It's nice to see something like that. The, the, thinking's, the thinking is in the right place. If it doesn't pan out, you get rid of the guy, whatever, it's fine. But you, you have to give them opportunities. Inter fucking often don't give opportunities to their best young talent. They don't. Um, they'll loan him out. They'll sell him. They did it with Zaniolo. Zaniolo got called up by Roberto Mancini in spite of the fact that he never cracked in Inter's first team. That They got rid of him thinking he was disposable. Um, you know? And, and and likewise, the case of Willignonto, the Will, the case of Willignonto is an interesting one because he he was sold to a club in Switzerland last year. Um, I believe it was Zurich. You know, before getting sold to Leeds, and now now he scored against Man United last week a few days ago. He he looks outstanding, and now other clubs in other clubs in Europe are all taking you know taking notice, and they're all they're all keeping an eye on him. And Inter are made to look kind of stupid. And they're like, fuck, we kind of regret getting rid of him but but you understand like him leaving Inter is the best thing that guy could have ever done if he had stayed at Inter he'd be fucking getting you know he'd be getting no minutes he wouldn't be playing if Willie Nonto had never gotten sold by Inter if he had never left that club if he had never gone to Switzerland and then gone to England where he now stars for Leeds and is maybe the best young player in the Premier League or one of however you want to describe young players whatever the case may be one of the most exciting young prospects in the Premier League who's currently playing. You know what he would be doing if he was still in Italy? If he stayed at Inter, he'd be getting racially abused on fucking terraces playing with a U19 team. And no one would have ever heard of him. He'd be getting bananas thrown at him in Monza. You know? It, it doesn't make sense. What's going on, guys? What are we doing? By the way, I'm okay with us getting rid of our best players. By getting rid of them, I mean, you know, as a, as a, as a league, and as an as you know, as as, as an Italian patriot, I'm okay with with players who are eligible to represent the flag. You know that, that I kind of pledge allegiance to. I'm okay with them going and seeking opportunities elsewhere, but then we just can't complain. When, when we don't make a World Cup, not because 
players don't have the ability to play at high levels and they don't have opportunities to leave, but because obviously there's not a support system at home, which there should be. You could rise above that and you could still do well and qualify for World Cups with good players that are not playing in your domestic league, but it helps. It really does help. I mean, that's what the Dutch do. It's what the Spanish do. It's what the English do. It's kind of what the French do. The French do export a lot of players. They seem to be like the one kind of anomaly that makes it work. But, I mean, yeah, man. I mean, he he's... He's um, he's doing well. It's fantastic. Good for him. Look, I mean, Destiny Udoje is now. I mean, he's still at he's still at Udinese. He's another interesting example. He hasn't gotten called up yet. You think it might happen at some point, but he's technically property of Tottenham now. We haven't really talked about this at all, but but this happened in the summer. I mean, a lot of you guys. This might have gone under the radar for some of you guys, but Destiny Udoje was was bought by was bought by Tottenham, and he was loaned back to Udinese. Um, look, it's interesting because the case of the case of him, his is an interesting case because he got called up to the U twenty one team for a little while. I think for like two years. I think he still features for them now. But he's been getting regular football. So it's almost like, okay, he'll be there. He's 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 playing club football. He's getting minutes. That's all that matters. He's improving. Right now, he's 20 years old. He was 19 when he signed for, for Tottenham. He was 18 last year when he really took off. So that that's okay. That's okay. What I mean by that is... It's all right for him to not be getting capped right now because he's getting first-team football. That's unusual. When that happens, you say, okay, good. Let's keep this rolling. What Mancini's now kind of forced to do, you guys might have noticed this. He fishes a lot. He, he, he casts the line out and says, let's see what happens. Let's try to bring these fucking kids in. I don't really know anything about them. No one does because no one's ever seen them play. That's, that's kind of the issue. That's kind of the issue. But... um. Yeah, by, by the way, the kid uh, the kid that I was forgetting the name of before is, I believe it's, shit, it's not, it's not Piovesan, fuck, I think that's Luca Manglavidi's mother's maiden name, Pafundi, Simone Pafundi, that's what it is, what a random shout out to Luca's mother, <laughs> yeah, right, okay, in any event. Yeah, Simone Pafundi, three games for Udinese, has already you know played for the Italian national team. That that's weird, guys. It's weird. I get it. We're kind of in a weird limbo period right now. Start them, start everyone, get get guys in. But you you need to kind of throw it over to these young kids. The academies are good. The academies are good. Get them in. Get them in. Maybe, listen, maybe a lot of these players just aren't up to par. I mean, the coaches know. But then that's a whole other, there's something, there's some lack of like congruency throughout the process. There's something that breaks down at some point for it to not work out. Either they're not good enough or either the coaches don't have the balls or, you know, this kind of ties in with them not being good enough, but either the academies aren't good enough maybe, right? They're, the players fundamentally are good enough, but the academies don't bring them through well enough. The, the training methods, um, you know, maybe the league is too tactical. It's too, it's, I think, you know what? I think that is what it is. I just really, I think that's what it is. It's, it's because the league is fucking too cerebral. There's not enough liberal, there's not enough liberal movement. Look how long it took Rafa Leao to become like a free-flowing, Stud, did you watch him play against Tottenham the other day? I mean, he looked fucking fantastic. He looked like a player that's that's like destined to play in the Champions League. You know, he'll be 24 years old this year if he's not already. He, he'll be 24 years old. That's not that young. I mean, it kind of is, but again, like it's not it's not like Wonder Kid shit. You know, you're not 17, 18. You're 24. You're a man. You're basically at full man strength or, or close to it if you're not there already. 
it's taken him a couple years to adjust. It's interesting. Maybe the league itself is fundamentally fucked up. Like the way that football is played. The way that football is played it could be problematic. I, I, I don't really know. But you know, you know something is off when you watch Italian football. You see how slow it is. You see how slow Serie A is. You see how, the, how slow the pace is. You, you hear the quotes from the managers. You, you, the questions they ask him in the media are so much more... I mean, they're so much more cerebral. The questions are... They're all thinkers. Why do this? Why do that? What do you make of... What do you make of the way that this guy counterattacks? Jesus Christ! In England, they're they're kind of just all they do is all they do is ask. I mean, if they really want to get tactical, they say Are we we going with three at the back or four at the back. It's it's a lot less thought out. I don't even I don't even think they have anything more to say. You know, it's almost like it's almost like football's too f- philosophized in Italy for its own good. You know. It's almost like it's too philosophized for its own good. Guys, what is the Conference League? Does, does anyone ever watch the Conference League? I just realized, what's the point of having a Conference League if it, it takes place at the same time as the Europa League? Already, no one wants to watch the Europa League. Now, Fiorentina's gearing up for a game in the Conference League. I was reading an article about how Gaetano Castrovilli is not, not too frustrated after his goal was overturned against Juve at the weekend. Who, by the way, won another match 1-0. The score by which they'll probably beat Lil uh, Nantes, excuse me, uh, tomorrow. So, because that, that's the only way they win uh, is one nil. It's just, just what it is. Um, I was talking with I was talking with Adamo Principe, who who some of you guys might remember from Stereo Serie A back in the day. Stereo, st- I don't know why I said it with a fucking Italian accent. They're Stereo Stereo Serie A. Were uh, these guys in Toronto? I used to listen to them in university, and he listens to the pod now. And we were chatting. Uh, a couple days ago, and 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 we were talking about U.S. Primavera team who 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 made it to the City of Chi Coppa Italia final, and it's like they're more exciting to watch than Juve right now. It's than the first team. It's 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 stupid, you know. Um, but in any event, I saw an article about Gaetano Castrovilli saying, "Yeah, I'm gearing up for the Europa League, the Conference League, whatever the fuck it is, you know, the the one that no one cares about, right? Except Roma fans, they care about it a lot for some reason, you know, a lot." A little odd there. Um, Nico Gonzalez apparently went clubbing after after the Juve loss, and he's getting punished by the club. That's a weird one because all you could do is just find him because he's like their best player. One of, you know. One of. I think I think he ruled out Fiorentina might have been willing to sell him to Leicester for apparently like 30 million euro in the winter just now because because that's the world now is, is Leicester City. Who, to be fair, have won a Premier League title, but up until like eight years ago, you hadn't heard of. You might have, but you know what I mean. You haven't. You hadn't heard of them, right? Uh, they they're now they're now buying. They're now throwing their dick on the table and saying thirty million. Boom, take it or leave it. Let me write you a check in January, in the month of January. That's that's the state of football now. But um, yeah, you can't piss him off too bad. Anyway, they, they, I think they accepted the deal. He refused it because of like personal terms with Leicester. But you can't piss the guy off too much. You can't have another standoff, Sanyolo type situation where you got to offload the guy at a discount price. You know, what are you gonna do? It, it's being the best player on the team is a really weird thing. You know, it does. It comes with so much fucking responsibility because because here's the thing. I mean, they can't really afford to discipline you uh, if you do something stupid. So it's kind of on you. It's like, oh, well, you can get away with anything you want, but it's like if you don't, then you're you're setting that example, you know. And it's and it's and it's and it's funny because it's the shit that they would tell you when you were like in youth sports when you were twelve. I want you to set an example for your teammates, and it's like that's that's still such a huge part of team sports, even when they're adults, because because men uh, athletes are like children. They're like children because everything's at their disposal. They uh, they have no real responsibilities. I mean, everything is taken care of for them. I'm talking like the top leagues, the top top levels. They have so much fucking money they're swimming in that their life setup is just it's it's just a joke. They they go around and they don't even have to go to the gym. They just they just go to work out. It's all planned out for them. Their whole life is planned out. It's like they're in prison. They have no independent thought generally. It's it's why Matteo Pessina is interesting. You know. It's why he's fascinating. It's it's why we like when he gets a degree, or you know, and why we forgive him the fact that he's kind of obsessed with Pornhub. Like like we we like that. It's interesting. Something interesting is what we like. You know, 
Not just, oh, yeah, I like to sit on the couch and watch Netflix and fucking play games, and then I go train and go to bed. Like, fuck. Jesus Christ. Little spice fuck. Anyway. I mean, yeah, guys, I, I was thinking about this like an hour ago earlier today. I really think that... um. I think the upcoming European uh, championship cycle, look, we can't afford to not qualify for another tournament. That's a given. It's very hard to not qualify for the fucking Euro, okay? The 2014 Euro, given how bad some of the teams that are participating are. But I think we're kind of in a real transitionary period. Just I want to circle back here because we were talking about the Italian national team quite a fair bit the first half of the pod here. But... um. I think this won't happen, but but man, I really I really wonder if Roberto Mancini should just go German on a couple of the guys that are currently in the side, like Bonucci. Go German, like what like what Love Love or fucking Hansi Flick did with with Mats Hummels. You know, we don't need you. What do you mean you don't need me? I'm the captain. No, I decide when we need you. We don't want you anymore. We're gonna, we're gonna risk it. Wouldn't it be crazy if Italy was playing like, like modern football with like, like a young uh, side from top to bottom? And I, I know that was kind of partially the Euro team in 2020, but I'm saying no, like, like a totally experimental side, kind of like what the Spaniards have. It feels like at any given moment the Spaniards just have like this experimental side of children who aren't legal to vote in most of the 48 states, 50 states, however many there are. What is it? The, the lower 40. The lower 48. There you go. But, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The Spanish just always churn out Catalan kids. And it'd be kind of cool if we just did that too, you know? But the problem is, none of them grab the bull by the horns. What is it? What's in the water at Barcelona? The Spanish national team at any given point in time is just like a bunch of Barcelona midfielders who came through as, as, as kids. Literal fucking kids. Is it just that much better an academy than like the Lazio Academy? It's, it's kind of a... It's, 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 I'm half kidding. It's kind of a legitimate question I'm asking. What's different? What's so special about Lazio? Why does whoever's coaching Lazio say, I can't trust these kids? What are they asking them to do? What are coaches in Italy asking players to do to the point that they can't trust them? Some of the best footballers on earth in Europe. Some of the best young footballers in, in, on the globe. They're not trusted by these old fucking managers. Why? What are you asking him to do? Can he not trek back? Is, is it... How complicated is it? I, I I don't know. I really don't know, guys. Italian coaches. Coaching is hard, man, you know, but it's the thing. These guys don't want to keep their fucking job and and in some ways in some ways it's like it's almost like procrastinating. You're deferring it. Yeah, we got this really good kid in the academy and he's doing quite well for the for the primavera, but he's not he's not like clearly like an obvious slam dunk of a player right now. We gotta kinda wait and see how it pans out. But, um, hey, fuck it. Let's throw them in. Let's throw them in for a game. That's a gamble. They do not gamble. They cannot afford to gamble. Coaches prefer to just kind of go with what they know. What they do is they say, well, yeah, we have that really good guy in the uh, academy, in the Primavera, and we're just going to we're gonna defer it, duly noted. And it's like it, it just keeps getting procrastinated and procrastinated and procrastinated, and eventually the fucking guys are 22 years old, you know? So because making a decision is ballsy, it scares you. You say, ah, not today. I'll do it tomorrow. And all of a sudden, they're just not getting called up. That's all it is. That's that. That's legitimately, I think, a huge fucking part of it. I'm, I'm not even, not even kidding. I think that's that's a big reason why you don't see a ton of kids necessarily come through at any given time. They, they, they do happen sporadically, but it feels like guys who have just made big impacts. It's, there's not like the same habitual, uh, you know, inclusion. And I get it. It is men's football, and some of them are, you know, not used to it. It, it, it makes sense, but. You got to help them. You got to help them help you. But coaches really are in a weird spot when they begin at a new job. Uh, this is anywhere in football, but 
let's take the case study of Italy in particular here. Think about it. Especially when you come in mid-season, right? But, um, let's just say at any point you come in, you're a new coach. Okay, it's your first coaching job. What are you going to do? You're not going to want to rock the boat too much necessarily. You may not have a ton of crazy ideas about the players that are at your disposal. You might just say, okay, let me study what the old guy did. Let's try to improve on that slightly. You're not going to sit down usually in the first meeting say, fuck that other cocksucker. I know what I'm doing. I've had this whole philosophy figured out for a number of years now. We're going to now apply it. Sit down. It's reading time. No, that's not how it works. They'll ease into it because going the other way is high risk, high reward, you know? Um, and if it fucks up, you're out of a job. So you want your first couple jobs to be success. That's what you do, right? You kind of ease into it. And I think a lot of coaches wind up getting fucked by the complacency and, and you need to have a real desire to, to, I, I think anyway, to bring through talent as best you can, but also if there isn't anything obvious, like if there isn't any obvious talent that needs to be brought through immediately, then you have to, you have to just, honestly, you have to just be a dog. You have to, like a dog, a D, like a D-A-W-W fucking G. I almost said D-O-W-G. No, like, like, like a dog. You gotta be a fucking dog. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta yell them, yell at them and be one of the boys. And, and because oftentimes the first job you'll get won't necessarily be for, for Juventus. It won't be Andrea Pirlo at Juve, which is, crazy that that was his first you know coaching job um insane fucking fucking whack that's unusual normally a coach will have to kind of relate to the players and by doing that you got to be one of the boys and 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 that's why i think the best coaches man are guys who didn't have a ton of success as players we talk about this in a lot of sports in particular but in, in particular football i believe it to be true um I don't know if it's any more true in, in, in football than it is in other sports, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But look, the, the point is we're seeing a real issue here with a lot of guys that are trying coaching for the first time. They're trying their hand at coaching. They're, they're studying it at Coverciano. They're writing their fucking theses on their philosophy of the game. And then they come into coaching and it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm coaching fucking Spot and, 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 and I'm coaching fucking Lecce and... and it's not going very well. I'm coaching Benevento. What the fuck? What's going on? I'm a city of B coach. You have to build your way up. And it's hard, I think, to do it without um, like, the unex like the undeserved weight of expectation when you're a guy who's won the World Cup before, when you're Daniele De Rossi, who just got sacked by Spal. Now, now, why was he hired by Spal? Why was he hired by them in the first place? It feels like he was just hired, but... but it's not. It's not gonna be your first fucking full time job as a manager, bud. You can't do that, Poppy. It's it's, you know, and and all of these guys who fucking won the World Cup with us in two thousand six are are coaches. All of them. I think Buffon's the only one who's still playing, but Pirlo's a coach. Not great. He's coaching a team called Fatih Kurumuguruk in in Turkey uh, or something. And prior to his arrival, I'd never really heard of them before. You know, and Gennaro Gattuso keeps getting fired. Okay, uh, you know, Pippo Inzaghi, Pippo Inzaghi's had it. I mean, listen, he might yet, Pippo Inzaghi might yet fucking come around. He might, but he had a really tough start to his career. Apparently, Mauro Camoranesi is doing interesting things, and I think it's Argentina. I, I, could, I mean, that would make sense that it be Argentina, but I, I believe it is. Um, Mauro Camoranesi, who, who definitely celebrated the Argentina win as hard as he won. Like the win last month, he definitely celebrated that as much as he celebrated actually winning the World Cup with Italy in 2006. That guy is very Argentinian, clearly. Like to the fucking bone. He looks it. He looks it. Which is to say he looks like kind of like like Metiso. I think that's the term. If it's not, then I, I apologize. He looks, he looks kind of Metiso but has an Italian name. That's like a very Argentinian thing. He's kind of like a farm guy. But anyway, I, I think... And, he, and he's got his long hair too. That kind of doesn't really, you know, that kind of doesn't really help the spell of the uh, the idea that he's like a wild man. But apparently, he's doing very good things in, I believe, South America as a coach. I could be wrong as to where he is, but I know that as of a number of months ago, it was it was interesting where he was at. Otherwise, who do you got? You got Massimo Oddo. Who's been making the rounds for a number of years? You've got Fabio Grosso, who's tried. I think he was at Brescia for, was it a week? Before he incurred the wrath, the wrath of 
Cellino a couple of years ago. What are these guys doing, man? What fucking what, what bloodthirst do these guys all have? Only one of them can can manage, you know. Only a couple of them can manage the big boys, and, and, and those guys are doing it for. They've been doing it for years. They're nerds. Roberto De Zerbi was a fucking football nerd. Luciano Spalletti's been coaching for fucking decades. He started coaching a garbage fucking club. I think Marco Materazzi might be doing something like that. I could be pulling that straight out of my fucking urethra hole. I, I, I you know, I don't, I don't know that for a fact, but I believe I, I heard that Marco Materazzi's coaching at like a more grassroots level. Now to think of that guy as a coach is, is, is scary. And, and that's the only way I could describe it. It was just, just it would be very scary, but. I think he might be pursuing it. Otherwise, like, everyone else is fucking pursuing it as, like, a full-time manager. Dude, there's 23 of you on that one fucking team. You guys are all going to coach clubs in Italy. There's, there's, there's like, 40 clubs between Serie A and Serie B. And, again, a lot of them had a lot of success. The best coaches are guys who didn't do very well as players. Mourinho is one of them. You know, uh, Max Allegri is uh, the subject of great debate. Uh, right now as to his level as a coach but you can't deny he's had success and he barely played like I don't think he played top flight at all um there are other guys who have played top flight but they, they just they're the guys who fucking go on to manage like clubs that play in the Champions League bro Paolo Di Cagno Paolo Di Cagno the fucking coach the coach of Bruges who lost today to to Benfica should have been 1-0 it was 2-0 very late goal they, they slipped up at the end not not great but He's coaching Bruges, Brugge, whatever the fuck, however you say them. You know, however you say that name. It's it, Daniele De Rossi's not going to just walk in and coach Bruges. The way a lot of these guys work is they kind of have to go back to a club that was good to them and they have to kind of just like be a coach on the payroll in the background and they could feel like busy and they could sit in rush hour traffic and go to work. It's like, yeah, fuck it. I got to go to like the office today. Why? Oh, well, you know, I work as a scout or as a fucking coach, like as a consultant for a team. Just... Helps him, great. Get him out of the house. Fucking do it, you know. Like, but but ultimately, ultimately, it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be Fabio Cannavaro that wins a fucking a, a Champions League title, guys. It's it's so rare that a guy like Zidane did it both. It's very rare that a guy like like Pep Guardiola did both. Antonio Conte kind of did both and he didn't. He was just like a bald guy that played for the Italian national team with like. With like straw for hair. He had like the Shutter Island hair. You know when like the character that Leo plays in that movie goes outside at one point and, and there's like a lady gardening and she kind of turns and she like puts her finger to her lips and she's got like Antonio Conte hair like circa 2000. That was him. You know, that, that's where it ended. He wasn't a star, you know, um, at, at a World Cup or anything. He's gritty. That's what you need. You need a guy with a little bit of fucking bite to him. You need a guy with a little bit of bite to a man. You know? You need a guy like Chris Cuomo, man. Chris Cuomo, who was at CNN, who, who, who said the other day, I just read this this headline earlier saying that apparently he got fired at CNN. I don't remember why. I think it might have been for, like, some kind of touchy stuff. Like, pun kind of kind of intended. Like, like, like it wasn't touchy nature. I think he was getting physical with a couple of people and, and he threatened he said he was going to he said that when he when he left the job when he got fired his instinct was he had like this this burning urge to murder everyone there and kill himself and it's like that's what I want my coach to say I want you guys to fucking work for me or I'm going to murder all of you and kill myself because I can't bear to watch more people like you play that is respectful that's respectable that's what you need in a coach uh, and I don't know who that guy is I, I, I actually don't know if that guy exists but that's the archetype that you want. That is absolutely the fucking archetype that you want, man. Um, in a couple of days, you guys enjoyed the bonus episode last week with Paolo Shime. It was a lot of fun. We're going to have another bonus episode coming out on Sunday, uh, scheduled to come out on Sunday. It's going to be a, a, a chat with um, a returning guest who's a, who's a friend of the show, great guy. We'll, we'll get into it in a couple of days. I wanted to have... the guy who will be the guest on on Sunday who you guys know if you've been listening to the pod for a while um that so I wanted to have him on with this comedian from Montreal who I know this friend of mine named Samson Cooperman who's uh really, really fucking funny I teased it last week and we were gonna kind of do like 
like a like a comparison of who had the crazier psycho ex girlfriend, but like but Samson's losing his mind right now, and he's realizing that he thinks his life is gonna end if he comes on because this girl's gonna somehow uh, find him, find it, get him in trouble. Like this is fine right now because I'm talking to, I'm talking about it, but like I'm doing it in silence. Like like he wasn't on the episode. She would have found a way to you know listen to the episode. Not that it would have been hidden. I don't I don't get it. And anyway, he he's out. I'm. I, it's a very different pace, very different pace of pop. We're gonna have a fun little bonus episode on the weekend, I, and 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 that's it. Maybe we'll, instead of having a Jew on, we'll just fucking we'll we'll make like uh, Nazi jokes, and I'll put like fucking I'll put like a picture of uh, Mussolini as uh, you know dressed as a furry or something somewhere in the studio. Maybe that could be fun, like with bunny ears, or like a Mr. Potato Head nose. I was thinking of doing that. Samson actually suggested because there are like some people that think that my comedy in the city is a bit edgy. So like I think I might be like fucking crazy right wing fascist, which I'm. I mean I'm not really, <laughs> or am I? No, but um, I was saying, but you know he was saying it'd be funny if I just leaned into it. So I'm thinking I might I might do that. I, we'll just put up like a fucking picture of of Mussolini and say nothing and just, and just be like, oh my god, he is that Mussolini? <laughs> yeah. He really is a fascist. I've never actually seen a real one. But anyway, so that'll be coming in a couple days. Friend of the friend of the show will be coming on. We'll have a little uh, a little chat for a bonus episode. I guess that'll be the last video this one. Video resumes. Or video begins next week. Regular programming resumes next week. That's all I got for you guys this week, guys. Enjoy the European football. Just a little touch base. Uh, again, it'll be a little more fun next week. I think we'll have a little bit more to rant about because there'll be someone to rant to. So really fucking excited about that guys if you haven't followed please do so at cultural podcast on all platforms again youtube is the cultural podcast at samadamo the cultural podcast just look it up subscribe episodes will be starting in a week we'll make a real fucking big deal out of that when it happens obviously but until then just stay tuned guys i hope you guys are liking the disco right now it's it's all we're able to comfortably operate with so bear with me but yeah, here's a little more disco from the sex icon himself, the sex symbol, Pino. Take it away. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy the uh, outro, guys. But also, stay tuned for the bonus episode. It'll be coming out on uh, the weekend once again. Till then, we'll catch you soon. Alla prossima. Ciao. in discoteca con lo sguardo da serpente io mi sono avvicinato lei già non capiva niente l'ho guardata ma guardato e mi sono scatenato Fred Astaire al mio confronto era statico e imbranato le ho sparato un bacio in bocca uno di quelli che schiocca sulla pista di avolata lì per lì l'ho strapazzata l'ho lanciata riafferrata senza fiato l'ho lasciata con le braccia mi è cascata era cotta innamorata per i fianchi l'ho bloccata e mi ha fatto marmellata Oh yeah, si dice così